All right, let's get it going here on a Tuesday afternoon. The Moody Blues, pretty good song back in the day. We're going to hear from Brent Venables around uh, 1230. We will not be able to bring that to you live, but he will be meeting the media here a little bit after uh, the Sooners practice. Parker, bad news for Oklahoma. You're telling me before the show, we knew that T.D. Roof was uh, had his right arm in a sling, and it looks like he's done for the season and done at Oklahoma. Yeah, so it, just being at practice – uh, this morning during the brief availability session that we had. Uh, TD Roof was in a hard cast, in a sling. That kind of confirms some rumblings that uh, we'd heard in previous days about his status. And it looks like, at the very least, uh, he's going to be out for a substantial amount of time, which is a big uh, and very consequential Uh, knock on Oklahoma's linebacker depth going forward because you look at that room as it sits today you've got Danny Stutzman you've got David Aguebu you've got Deshaun White and you've got Shane Witter but beyond that it's true freshmen man Kip Lewis Kobe McKenzie Jaron Kanick and all three of those young freshmen have some potential but they are true freshmen nonetheless TD Roof is a guy that you would have liked to have had particularly early in the season Uh, And especially because of the way that he as a sixth year senior can impact the morale and cohesion in the locker room. It's a guy that's played a lot of football, been a lot of different places. He would have been one of the very few players in the history of college football to suit up for four different programs had he played uh, at Oklahoma, which as 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 things sit right now. And just based on the in-person evaluation of his status that we got at practice today, just seeing him walking around in that hard cast and that sling, it does not look like he's going to be back anytime soon at Oklahoma. You hope for his sake uh, that maybe he makes it back later in the year, gets one last send-off as a sixth-year senior, especially with everything he went through, coming through the transfer portal in the offseason yeah, to, to get from Appalachian State to Oklahoma. But, Play for his uh, dad. I mean, how cool would that be, right? Exactly. You know, so, again, maybe it's not a 100% done deal, but it certainly doesn't look good for T.D. Roof uh, returning this season. Maybe, maybe, again, later in the season, uh, you might be able to see him out on the field for Oklahoma. But, again, you'd love to see – uh, him get a chance to play in at least a couple games because, again, uh, uh, he cannot come back, obviously. Uh, doesn't have uh, any eligibility left. All right, that leads into my question today. We're going to hear from Brent Venables here in a minute also about how quickly he can uh, restore Oklahoma's defensive identity because, Parker, everybody seems to think that automatically Oklahoma is going to be better defensively. Count me in, too. I think they're going to be better. But I don't think they're going to be like a top five defense in college football. And, you know, if that's your expectation, you might be disappointed. I think this first season they're going to be good. I think we've talked about this a lot. I think you're going to see them be more physical. I think you're going to see them much thicker up front where they don't get pushed around as much, especially against uh, more physical teams if they get to the playoff like we've seen in the past. I think they'll tackle better in the open field. I think they'll bring people to the ground and hit harder. I think all of that is going to be improved. But doesn't mean they're going to go out there and be the 85 Bears or you know any of the great Oklahoma defenses you can think of. Uh, it may take some time. 
So what is your biggest concern heading into the season? Because we've talked about all the things that we think are going to be positive. What is your number one concern for this Oklahoma defense heading into the fall? Well, I would say right now, especially with the knowledge that T.D. Roof is going to miss a substantial amount of time, potentially the whole season, I'd say your first concern, as I mentioned, has to be depth at the linebacker position. And Deshaun White has played a ton of football. David Aguebu has played a ton of football. Danny Stutzman, pound for pound, might be the highest ceiling player on Oklahoma's uh, defensive side of the football. And then you've got a guy in Shane Witter that has always had some immense potential, uh, but just has not been able to find his way onto the field consistently. So as I look at that linebacker room and what TD Roof would have been amongst that group to start out the year, I, I do have my concerns about their depth at that position, and I think it puts some increased pressure on a guy like Jaron Kanick or a guy like Kobe McKenzie to figure it out a little bit sooner than you might otherwise have expected them or liked them to come along. I think Jaron Kanick is a guy that you're going to be able to put on the football field and feel confident in right off the bat in year one. I don't know if I can quite say the same right now for Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis, but Kanick is a guy that's probably going to have a little bit of added responsibility on his shoulders while Roof is out. Elsewhere, I I don't know if there is another group where in terms of depth or in terms of talent or lack thereof, I'm substantially concerned about Oklahoma. I do worry about, and this is, this is something we've talked sporadically about over the course of the offseason, Mike, but I do somewhat worry about the special teams unit, specifically the field goal unit, because... What is that going to look like in the post-Gabe Burkich era? It's probably Zach Schmidt, you would figure, will open the season as your starting kicker. How much confidence can you realistically have in a guy like that? Because with kickers, man, it's always a shot in the dark when you get a good one, or when you get a new one, excuse me. The Sooners got a good one in Gabe Burkich back in the day. He was preceded by a couple of real good ones in Austin Seibert and Michael Honeycutt. So, it's been a while since Oklahoma had some real uncertainty True. as to who was going to handle field goal duty. We, obviously, we don't know a whole heck of a lot about that race between Zach Schmidt and Gavin Marshall. But special teams matters, Mike. And it played into both of Oklahoma's losses in the regular season last year. So that is, uh, I think that is one battle and that is one position group that I will be monitoring closely over the first couple weeks of the season because if Schmidt isn't the stable option and you have a situation reminiscent to what you dealt with with Trey DiCarlo and Garrett Hartley back in 2004 where you got to throw a true freshman into the fire and you weren't necessarily planning on it, uh, that's where things can get a little bit dicey. Yeah, so. you get you got to have a game-winning kick in Lincoln, Nebraska or something like that, then you, you get pretty nervous in this situation, no doubt. And, uh, you know, Tim Lasher used to make them all the time. wasn't a problem. Tim Lasher uh, and his company sponsoring our first hour here on The Ref. Lasher Home Comfort Systems. You need AC work done right now. They're the, uh, they're the place to call, 405-579-3113. Okay, for me on the defensive side of the football, what I worry about, you're talking about personnel, and I totally get that, and I agree. Their linebacker depth just got thinner today with this news about TD Roof. However, I'm looking at it from a knowledge of the defense perspective here. 
Because, again, as I said, I think they're going to be tougher. I think they're going to be bigger up front. They won't get pushed around as much. I think they will tackle better. You can't make every tackle. But the previous Sooner defensive teams, again, there were way too many missed tackles and way too many arm tackles. Uh, and, you know, that's not, that's not going to fly under Brent Venables. But I'm talking about busts. I'm talking about knowing where to be. I think this defense is going to be a lot more complex than what we've seen from Alex Grinch. So, again, you may have tremendous personnel. I think Oklahoma's personnel is going to be pretty good. And, again, I I love the fact they're being more physical and that you'll see a better tackling football team. I truly believe that. But is somebody going to be out of place? Is somebody going to, you know, not be, uh, you know, covering a receiver that's running wide open? It's that kind of stuff, I think, that could be a problem for Oklahoma, particularly early in the season. Because, Parker, I think they're going to have a lot more reads, a lot more things. Brent likes to disguise a lot of stuff. It's going to be a more complex defense they're running this season. And that, to me, is what I worry about, especially early. And there is some reason for concern in that regard. And we've talked about it so much this offseason, Mike, just how much more intricate Brent Venable's defense is than what any of these guys are accustomed to. So there will be a learning curve. The learning curve will carry over into the season. And there may be guys that see the field where, as a casual fan, you're wondering, why is that guy on the field instead of this other guy who is far more physically gifted, bigger, taller, faster, stronger? And the simple answer in most cases is going to be because they know their role better than that other guy. They execute their assignments in Brent Venable's defense better than the other guy. To quote Bob Stoops, it's all about execution, particularly with Venables. And so you may see guys, and one of the the guys that I've been really talking up over the last few days, Mike, and a guy that I actually expect to start right now uh, if he continues to perform the way that he has throughout the first half of fall camp is Jaden Davis. If you told anybody that Jaden Davis was going to be starting for the Sooners at any point a year ago, They'd have probably laughed at you and said, oh boy, we're in a world of trouble. But I think it's a testament to just how nicely he has bounced back under the direction of Venables and Brandon Hall and Jay Valai to be able to reestablish himself as a starter in the secondary because he played some good football in 2019. Justin Broyles is another guy that is very, very seasoned and experienced. And so maybe he gets an early leg up over somebody that's more physically talented than him. Somebody like a Key Lawrence or a Justin Harrington. There's still a lot of moving pieces, both on offense and on defense, in terms of what the final ingredients are going to be on the Sooners opening depth chart. But there are some guys that have really, really stood out over the course of fall camp that I continue to hear really, really nice things about. And some of the guys that you would not expect to be hearing really, really rave reviews on. Jaden Davis uh, certainly tops that group for me. And it will be intriguing to see whether we can, to see once the season begins, whether we see a performance from Jaden Davis on the football field that mirrors everything I've heard and that many others have heard about him over the course of fall camp. I really believe you're going to see a better defense this year. I believe that. And, uh, you know, that that's no disrespect to Perry on Winfrey and Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas and DTY and Patrick Fields, who's out at Stanford now. 
you know, uh, Brian Asamoah, guys like that, all good players. But I like the system better. I think they're coached tougher. I think that, again, uh, they're going to be good in a lot of areas. Great? Mm, we'll see. Question mark there. But if you think this automatically is going to be a top-of-the-line Clemson-level defense right off the bat, you might be a little bit disappointed. But, again, I think for the most part, Sooner fans uh, will not be as frustrated with the defense this season overall. All right, when we get back, we're going to hear from Brent uh, what he said recently about how quickly he believes he can restore Oklahoma's defensive identity. I also have a question for you guys on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I want you to answer today. We'll tell you about it when we get back. 405-651-3439. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on a Tuesday. Stay here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. It is Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, on a Tuesday. We're here in the Brown O'Haver Studios. Brent Venables meeting the media here in about, uh, looks like it's going to be about 10 minutes from now. From what we're hearing, and uh, the Sooners now 18 days away from their opener, 2.30, September 3rd against UTEP. UTEP, Kent State in week two, and then on to Lincoln in week number three. All right. Uh, we were talking about the Oklahoma defense and the expectations because Sooner fans are pumped up, man. They are ready to see defensive football played at a high level at Oklahoma again. Here's what Brent Vittable said recently when he was asked how quickly he can restore OU's defensive identity. It's not going to be what I just left at Clemson, but that it wasn't that way uh, when we got there in 2012 either. And you develop that through a lot of uh, work, a lot of players believing in what you're doing. Certainly staff chemistry and cohesion is an incredible uh, part of that. Really, once you start playing games, figuring out what your strengths and your weaknesses are and then playing to those strengths, protecting your weaknesses, and then developing and improving in those areas of weakness. And so I have a very clear vision for what it looks like. We've worked really hard and diligently the last several months to show our players, coach them, teach them, um, allow them to see it on videotape of what it looks like. A picture's worth a thousand words, and so how long that process will take, it'll never happen fast enough, I can assure you. And uh, But what I love about this team is the hunger and the willingness to commit to what we've asked them to do. Like, they have answered the bell every step of the way. There you go. Brent talked about, again, expectations for the defense this season. Now, again, I, I think what you need to look at is just if there is considerable improvement on the defense this year, and I think there will be. But it's not going to be, you know, the Selman brothers and Brian Bosworth and Tony Casillas and Roy Williams and Teddy Lehman. I mean, look, the Sooners may have some players uh, that end up being really great players for them, you know. Danny Stutzman. Uh, you know, those freshman linebackers look really good. I think everybody thinks that Ethan Downs is going to be a superstar, but it may not happen overnight. So would you caution the OU fan base about their expectations? Are you hearing, you think, from the Sooner fans that, man, this is going to be just a dominant defense right off the bat? What do you think? I think people have reasonable expectations at this point. I believe the expectation is that Oklahoma is going to be improved on defense, although not truly elite on defense in 2022. They will be a good defensive team. I expect them to be a top 25 defense nationally. I don't think that's too high of a bar. Are they going to be a top five, top 10 defense? Probably not. But 
It's a work in progress. As I said, the learning curve is going to carry over into the season, and it's all going to come down to how quickly the elite athletes, the best of the best on the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma, grasp the cognitive aspect of playing in Venable's scheme. Because once you get everybody completely on the same page, not only bought in, but you get everybody on the same page as far as the playbook. Everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody knows how to interact with one another on the football field, which assignments, uh, on which downs, which personnel on which downs, et cetera. Once you have a well-oiled machine with the talent that Oklahoma has on the defensive side of the football and the play calling that you're going to have, it, it's going to be in Brent Venable's hands. It will be. I don't question that. Venables is a defensive savant. And so at this point, Oklahoma will have an elite defense along the line. I don't know that it happens in 2022, but I think what you will see in 2022 is you will see that defense start to build in that direction. And they will have moments. They may have entire games where they look capable of being elite defensively. But, Mike, if you look back at the last five years of Oklahoma football, the Sooners have been right there. Right? They have been a top five, top ten team every single year. And their defenses have been below average yeah, to absolutely. outright atrocious. So if you just get a good defensive effort in 2022, if you just get a good defensive effort, you're going to win a lot of football games. Yeah, here's a question I got uh, yesterday from a buddy of mine, and he said, uh, "What is the ceiling for the Sooners? Def- the ceiling for the season this year for the Sooners? What is the uh, what's the floor? What's the ceiling? What's realistic?" Look, there's there's a world and I'm of- talking about the season record and expectations, not just the defense here. I think the floor is eight wins. Yeah, I, I, that's what I said, eight and four. I think there's a world where Oklahoma runs the table in the regular season. I think that's going to be very hard to do, and by no means am I predicting that that happens. But I can see it happening. I think it's realistic. It's certainly a lot more yeah, realistic I mean, than it has been in years past because of how well-coached they're going to be. Well, not only – I mean, you're favored in uh, every game, right? And I don't know what Vegas – what does Vegas have on Texas right now? It's always something ridiculous. But you're favored in Lincoln. You're about a six-point favorite at Lincoln right now. Uh, Oklahoma, to me, again, particularly what's going on in Texas, they just lost Isaiah Nair, the wide receiver, Junior Angelou. The uh, offensive lineman, maybe their best offensive lineman. You got this uh, Jai Hall situation suspended indefinitely. You've got Hudson Card with the edge at the quarterback spot right now. And then the favorable schedule where the Sooners get K State, Baylor, Oklahoma State all at home. So I'm probably looking at 11 and 1 for Oklahoma, losing one of those games. I, you know, but. Uh, I don't think it's completely just pie in the skies, total fantasy to think that Oklahoma couldn't run the table because of the way the home schedule sets up. Uh, and I that's think, so critical. Yeah, too. absolutely. And that's, I mean, if you're going to Waco again, yeah, I'd favor Baylor. Uh, if you're going to Stillwater, you, neutral field, I, Oklahoma still has better football players than Oklahoma State, particularly with the Cowboys' loss. And that was a you know, really good, old experience. I mean, you're not going to get a defense like that uh, – very, very often in Stillwater. And I'm not trying to dog Oklahoma State, but that was a defense where you had so many veterans. You know, you had 23, 24-year-old kids on that defense. 
Um, and I, I think, again, Derek Mason with Gary Gibbs consulting up there, Oklahoma State's still going to be good defensively. But, um, you know, to me, Oklahoma still has the best roster in the league. A lot of respect for Dave Aranda. Mike Gundy's done an incredible job coaching in Stillwater, but you have both those games at home. So, again, I, I think so much we're going to find out so much in that game in Lincoln, you know, uh, because if somehow you bumble and stumble around and lose that game and, you know, Scott Frost gets that signature win, then things are going to get, you know, difficult early in the season. But I think the Sooners will find a way to win there. All right, you want to go to the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line? Let's hit it. Kevin in Tulsa says, Mule Shoe had that tech mentality of just outscoring the opponent. But a great coach like BV knows defense wins championships. Yeah, and you can do that in the Big 12 against lesser competition. You can't do that against Alabama in the playoff. You can't do that against, uh, you know, LSU. I mean, LSU was outscoring people that year, too. And maybe that's, you know, that that was a historically great offense. But Oklahoma's had some tremendous offenses that uh, by themselves couldn't get it done without more Help from the defense. That's been the uh, recent history of Oklahoma. Another listener says, OU could have Venable's worst defense in 22, and it'd still be two to three times better than the last five or ten years. The bar is pretty low <laughs> at it this is. point. Yeah, it, it is. The bar is arguably as low right now defensively for Oklahoma as it has ever been. And if you're talking about a specific year, okay, the bar was lowest in 2019 because of how – generationally awful that 2018 defense was. But in terms of an era of Oklahoma football, we are emerging from really a decade-long period where Oklahoma just has not played very good defense. No, and that's been an unsolved mystery to me. We need, Like I said, we need to bring Robert Stack back because when you think of the championship teams, uh, you know, as good as Josh Heupel and Q Griffin and all those guys were on offense, that defense made so many big plays in that championship season. And I know it was sexy during the Switzer era, the wishbone, the triple option, the flash, the dash of the running backs and the quarterbacks. Uh, It was cool. But they also had great – I mean, the Selman brothers and Rod Schoed and – you know, all those great players in 85 with Bosworth, Casillas, Ricky Dixon, you know, they were they were just as feared on the defensive side of the ball. And I just don't know how this, you know, came about at Oklahoma that, man, Oklahoma, man, that's a scary offense. They're really good. They've got, they've had some great, a great run of quarterbacks too, but that defense is laughable. You know, and I think the Sooners have been known as a wimpy Pee Wee Herman finesse defense for too long. Shane from Newcastle says the fact that we made the playoffs with one of OU's worst defenses in history blows my mind. I would go a step further. I would say that is the worst defense in OU history, and it is miraculous and quite the testament to Kyler Murray's level of play that year, the fact that the Sooners only lost one game in the regular season. Uh, Another listener, Sooner Soldier, says as long as the defense can make a stop on third and long, they will be 1,000%. Sooner better. soldier, amen. That is How very many true. OU fans again? Hey, it's third and 12, and there's a dude running to the, uh, the, running to the marker and, uh, you know, the first down marker and be right there to pick up that third down or a missed tackle there or a scramble something. Look, you're not going to stop every third down, even every third and long, obviously. But there were way too many of those given up by the recent Oklahoma defenses. All right, why don't we break right here? Thank you to Tim Lasher and his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. 
Recruiting updates when we get back. Sooners, of course, got Jacoby Johnson over the weekend. The Mustangs standouts. That's big. Who's next for Oklahoma? We'll get into that when we get back. It is a Tuesday edition, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Home of Sooner Fans. The Ref Radio Network, Brent Venables, meeting with the media today after practice. Sooner news, some bad news. TD Roof could be done uh, for the season and could uh, never play it down at Oklahoma. His arm and his, did you say it was a bicep, a torn bicep? Is that what we're uh, hearing? I don't know exactly what the injury is, but he was in a hard cast and a sling. So, okay, so it's anytime possible. you're in both a hard cast and a sling. That's not good. Something pretty severe. So maybe TD Roof returns later in the season, but there's a chance he could be done for uh, the year at Oklahoma. Jalen Redman, who'd been going through a concussion protocol back at practice uh, for the Sooners. I got one off Twitter before we get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Steelman, I saw that Tinker Owens is headed into the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame. Did you ever see him play? Yes, I am old enough to remember Tinker playing at Oklahoma. And uh, again, he had a great career. He was a two-time All-American on those uh, championship teams of the uh, the 70s, 74-75. Oklahoma had a great team. Switzer's first team was extremely talented, too, the 73 team. But 74-75, Tinker was an All-American. And, again, they were running the wishbone. Wide receiver. He caught everything, pretty much, Tinker Owens. Great pair of hands. Steve's younger brother. Played in the NFL uh, with the Saints. I think it was just with the Saints, and that's it. But very deserving. I also saw that R.W. McCorders is going in the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame. Former, uh, you know, great athlete at Booker T. Washington in Tulsa. Ends up, you know, going to Oklahoma State where he played wide receiver, returned kicks, played defensive back, won a Super Bowl ring with the Giants on that team that beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I think he spent most of his career with the Chicago Bears in the NFL, but he was a great athlete. But R.W. Quarters was probably going to the University of Oklahoma, and then he, guess who met him on his trip? Howard Schnellenberger. Oh, boy. Young man, we need to take that hat off when we're indoors. That's very, very rude of you. I don't like the clothes you're wearing. Make sure you're dressed more properly next time you come in here. That's basically how things went down. And R.W. McCorders ends up at Oklahoma State. Had really? A fantastic career. Yeah, but Howard, uh, he and Howard did not have a, a great visit get-together when R.W. came to uh to norman on his ob all right parker you want to go uh brent venables meeting the media and again i don't know that we will be able to get any brent audio um during our show we're going to try and make our best effort i know tyler yeah, mccombs so always media, helped us out yeah and this is what we need people to understand the media availability is out at the practice field, right so it's, it's not like yeah. he's at a podium you know standing in front of the ou logo it's out at the rugby field so um Anyway, no ability to medical redshirt for TD Roof, and there isn't, right? I, I don't know. It depends on the severity of the injury, obviously. And, yeah, that's, I mean, I think it would also depend on what the scholarship numbers look like next year. Uh, and, honestly, what TD Roof plans to do with his life after football. Because, you know, you get to a certain point in time, uh, maybe you just figure, you know what? Got I have I have this injury crippling me. 
Uh, it's my sixth year of playing football. Probably just best to move on, move on to a future in coaching or administration, something along those lines. Whatever T.D. Roof wants to do next in his life. At this point in time, there's also a compelling case, just from a personal standpoint, right, to move on from playing football. And T.D. Roof is a guy that's going to have plenty of options. Uh, because of who his dad is, like if he if he wants to go into the coaching profession, yeah. he's going to be able to go right into the coaching you would profession. Think maybe right? he so, might even end up being a consultant at Oklahoma, right? Yeah. I mean, with the way they're they're uh, they have so many ex players with the Soul Mission who are consulting. Uh, Rufus is over there. We've seen uh, you know Curtis Curtis Lofton's working with the Soul Mission. You saw Caleb Kelly is involved with the Soul Mission. So yeah, that could be a possibility that you could see him helping out the staff even next year if he doesn't come back and he doesn't get a medical red shirt. He could be doing that. Yeah. Well, and here's here's what it comes down to. That that's a guy who the harsh reality is he probably doesn't have much of a future in the NFL or at the professional level. Right? He's not very big, 5'11", 215. Uh, he's been a solid player in over the course of his career at Georgia Tech and then Indiana and then Appalachian State. Uh, but he's not a guy that has as much to gain from coming back from a seventh season or for a seventh season, excuse me, uh, as most other guys in his position. So uh, we'll see what the future holds for TD Roof, but it does not look like he's going to be back on the field for Oklahoma at any time soon and perhaps uh, not at all this season. We we will see. <laughs> Somebody's on the text line said, if TD Roof comes back for a seventh year, he's more likely to injure his hip than his arm again. <laughs> Crazy. Enough with the old jokes. Yeah, there you go. What about uh, Chase in Oklahoma City says, my only prayer is the end of OU's DBs playing 10 yards off the ball. I can remember when Mike uh, Stoops was still around in those Baylor games when they had uh, Katie Cannon, and I can't remember who the other wideout the was. The West Virginia game in 2018. Of course, that was post-Mike Stoops. Yeah, that was pretty But bad you remember, too. it was it was David Sills, and for the life of me, I can't remember – what the name of West Virginia's other wide receiver was. But the Sooners just kept lining up 10, 15 yards off the receivers, and they'd get toasted downfield over and over yeah. and over. Crazy. The uh, the Tavon-Austin game, that's when Mike was still around, obviously. That was a game that was crazy, too. That was a game that was really crazy. All right. Uh, so for the Sooners, by the way, we talked about uh, Jacoby Johnson committing to Oklahoma as expected at the Mustang football event on Saturday night. I thought it was really cool how he came out. Don Dio, you had you had the kids celebrating all around him and all that stuff. Well-spoken, articulate young man who's got a lot of ability. Now the question is, who's next? And I think everybody expect, expects Macari Vickers to be happening August 26th. What is going on with Anthony Evans, the wide receiver from Converse that's, Judson? That situation is interesting. Georgia? Has he got George on his mind like Ray Charles? Well, it's it's OU or Georgia. Has been for a while. I, I really don't know what to think at this point, Mike, because there's legitimate reason for confidence in both camps. Anthony Evans did an interview yesterday where he said, nobody's leading right now, which is probably not what you want to hear if you're an OU fan, but also probably not what you want to hear if you're a Georgia fan in an ideal world. So, this is probably going to be one that is shrouded in some uncertainty all the way up until the decision, but uh, he, here's where I sit on it. The best intel I have, the most reliable intel I have, suggests that Anthony Evans is going to be a Sooner. So 
for the moment, I am going to continue to assert that OU is the destination for Anthony Evans next Friday. So you're saying slight edge for Oklahoma, in your opinion. I am saying slight edge. Uh, Stoops wasn't at OU during that West Virginia game. Yeah, Parker said it was post-Mike Stoops. Yeah. I was going back to the uh, when Mike Stoops was there. That was the table on Austin game in, uh, in Morgantown. Uh, Jordan Renaud? Feel Jordan good? Renaud, feel good about him. To Celia Kana? To Celia Kana, continue to feel good about him as well. Ryan uh, Yates? Yes. DJ Hicks? Yes. Anybody else? Peyton uh, Bowen well, flippage? I just, I, I'm so tired of the Peyton Bowen situation, Mike. All right. <laughs> and look, uh, he's a good kid, comes from a good family. At a certain point, it's less about the kid and more about the recruitment and more about the situation. And I'm just so ready for it all to be over. All right, what about uh, Malachi Coleman has is, is got an OV booked at Oklahoma now, right? Uh, I don't know what the date on it is going to be, but he is planning on taking an official visit to Oklahoma this fall. Now, we found out yesterday that Tessilia Khanna's official visit to OU is going to be October 15th against Kansas. So Malachi Coleman's commitment date is set for October 22nd. So you would figure maybe if the Sooner staff is aiming to get everybody, at least in terms of the fall official visitors, on campus for the exact same weekend, maybe all those official visits happen on October 15th for that Kansas game. And at that point, if that's the weekend Malachi Coleman visits, OU gets the last crack at him, which is an unambiguously positive development if you're a Sooner fan and you want to add that guy to the fold. And believe me, he is a mismatch, and he's going to be a playmaker. I hope, for his sake, that he ends up playing offense at the next level, which he'll have the opportunity to do at Nebraska and at Oklahoma. USC is recruiting him as an outside linebacker. So uh, the kid's 6'5", 190, and runs a 10-3-5 in the 100-yard dash. Mike, you just don't find dudes with that kind of skill set in every single recruiting class. So that would be – I mean, that's that's the heat check for Oklahoma right now is Malachi Coleman because they continue to look like the leaders for Makari Vickers. I think they get Anthony Evans as well as Jordan Renaud, and I think they still lead uh, for Cecilia Kana. Malachi Coleman's the one guy kind of in the same vein as Colton Vosick, right? somebody that you would not expect Oklahoma to get – if you just evaluate that situation completely neutrally from an outsider's perspective, if you didn't know better and you took a look at that recruitment and all of the dynamics involved with a kid like Malachi Coleman, much like Colton Vosick, you would conclude that, okay, this kid is not going to be a Sooner. But Oklahoma continues to make a very, very strong push for Malachi Coleman, and at this point I think that's an OU-Nebraska battle as things sit. Yeah, and uh, that puts even more importance on that Oklahoma-Nebraska game in Lincoln. By the way, Doug and Norman, thank you for the excellent pasta lunch. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Doug and Norman. It was enjoyed by everybody, and uh, the Yelp reviews are really good, really good. And Doug from Norman also correctly pointed out in the Air Comfort Solutions text line, this was the name I could not remember, Gary Jennings. It was David Sills and Gary Jennings that were having their way with the Oklahoma secondary that night. Oh, you still won that game, 59-56. to 56. But my goodness, that was as dismal a performance as I can recall. Right up there with the 66-59 game against Texas Tech out in Lubbock. 
You're talking about thoroughly ignominious defensive oh, performances. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was crazy. Those Joe, Joe Mixon had himself a night, too. By the way, as we go to break uh, on the 405, uh, saying that no, Stoops wasn't there for the Tabon-West Virginia game. Unless I'm losing my mind, and I look, clearly, I, I that might you're, be a You're not losing, you're not. I, I thought that Mike Stoops was there. He was. Somebody bagged me up because I remember Mike Stoops pulling his hair out. I, unless, I, But, again, I, I'm old, man. I'm wearing the pins right now. That's how old I am. That was 2012. Mm-hmm. Mike Stoops was defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. And Tavon Austin ran for like 330 yards, right? And yes, correct. they lined him up at running back quite a bit? Yeah, in between that game. the rushing, receiving, and the return yards he piled up, I'm pretty sure he had north of 500 all-purpose yards that night. Yeah. 913 says that was Mike's first year back. All right, we're going to – I didn't think I was imagining things. Uh, now, from time to time at this age, I will imagine things. But I, I was almost positive Mike Stoops was there on the sidelines, yes, or on the defensive staff back at Oklahoma. All right, break time right here. We'll come back. A few more texts. Uh, we may get maybe, 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 maybe some Brent Venables audio before we get out of here. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, we want you to stay right here. We got more Sooner info to come. It's the home of Sooner fans, the ref, here on a Tuesday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, we're coming right back. Welcome back. Zach De La Roca, Tom Morello. Love that band. By the way, uh, Brent Venables just confirmed it that T.D. Roof is going to miss the season with a bicep injury. Again, he is done for the season. By the way, you want to go to the Oklahoma-Texas game and uh, you want some assistance? How about participating in another great promotion right now at Riverwind Casino, the Race to the Red River. You can win a trip to the Red River Showdown. If you're a wild card member and if you're going to Riverwind, you need that wild card that's going to help you out a lot. Use your wild card, earn points on all the electronic gaming machines. Then on August 26th, uh, at 5 o'clock, the top three players who earn the most points are going to be awarded trips to the Red River Showdown, two game day tickets, hotel stay, ground transportation. The total value of that uh, winning package is almost three grand. Uh, play with your wild card to win the top three point uh, getters in this particular promotion, the Race to the Red River. Again, uh, we'll know. Uh, in the afternoon of August 26th. But in the meantime, you need to get out there and play on the electronic gaming machines. They have 2,800 out there. They have new areas now, the Showplace Theater, the Sky Bridge, and the River Lounge, where you can find some of the electronic gaming machines maybe that you, uh, you're missing because they're doing some renovations now at Riverwind. But the Race to the Red River promotion concludes August 26th. In the meantime, you want to go to OU Texas on Riverwind and this great uh, promotion. Play with your wild card. Get as many points as you can. All right, as usual, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, so many texts are rolling in. We're, we're trying to keep up with all of them. Let's get back there again. Now, you're all right, 405. I get it. I get it. Uh, one listener in the 951, or I'm sorry, this is Mark in Newcastle. Mark in Newcastle has a 951 number. I don't even know where 951 is offhand. But he says, Steely, have you ever considered writing a book about OU football history, I would buy it. It would have to be like a children's pop-up book or something, but I haven't, and, uh, you know, I, I've just been here for a long time. I was born and raised in Norman. I was baptized and, and right into Sooner football. My dad worshipped the ground that Bud Wilkinson walked on. 
And uh, so I, you know, it's about as sooner experience as you can get, man. Uh, so, but I appreciate you saying that. But there are other sources out there like uh, Mike Brooks and Dennis uh, Stats Kelly and people like that who would probably be better suited to do that. But I appreciate you saying that. Like I said, I, I might write uh, – I would probably write it about the eighth grade level, so probably not. That's what you're supposed to write at if you're a professional really? writer. Yeah, they tell well, you write, write at an eighth grade level. Really? Okay, yes. well. That's, that's just... apparently one of the hallmarks of the journalism profession is that you're supposed to write at an eighth grade level. Hmm. Well, that's how I got my journalism degree then. I guess I was still writing at an eighth grade level. A couple of recruiting questions. We have eight consecutive texts <laughs> from one listener. Uh, who really, really desperately would like to know, is David Hicks moving up his timeline? Yes, I expect that the five-star defensive lineman out of Katy, Texas, is going to move up his timeline and make a decision within the next couple of months. Another listener asked about Zadavian Sims, four-star defensive lineman out of Durant, Oklahoma, and whether Oklahoma will be a serious player in that recruitment. Yes, absolutely. And I know Brandon Drum, my colleague at OUinsider.com, has come on this show before and said that uh, there's a very, very compelling case for Zadavian Sims potentially being Oklahoma's first commit of the 2024 cycle. If I had to put money on the table, I'm still going with Michael Hawkins in that regard. But, uh, yes, things are trending very well for Oklahoma in the recruitment of Zadavian Sims. And, uh, man, DJ Hicks, you talk about a great get. I mean, this is going to be a really good class already. It becomes a very special, historic class if they add DJ Hicks to the mix, as a lot of people think they will eventually. All right, thank you to Tim Lasher and his company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, you need AC work done. They'll get it done for you at a great price, professional work. 405-579-3113, 405-579-3113. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, another hour to go. Keep it right here on The Ref. Hour number two is presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. Even great uh, used car selection down there. They're finding all the best used cars as well. Seth Wadley Auto Group, Exit 72, tremendous guarantee after the sale. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, here's also what I want to ask you. Uh, on the Air Coverage Solutions text line this hour, 405-651-3439. Give us a bold prediction for the OU season, one for the OU season, and one for the college football season. A bold prediction for the Sooner season, and one just for the college football season. We'll get to as many of those as we can as well. Off Twitter, Steely, you're talking about kickers, but you don't talk kickers enough. Who is the most underrated Sooner kicker in history? Because we talked about uh, most underrated should be talked about more Sooners yesterday. I feel like it's really hard to overrate and or underrate a kicker, right? Because I've got one for you. Go ahead. A kicker's performance is so objectively quantified. More so than any other position on the football field. You either make the kick or you don't. There is no nuance. There is no film breakdown. There are are no conflicting takes on a player's capacity and or talent level 
at the kicker position. Because, again, either the kick goes through the uprights or it goes wide of the uprights. True that, So yes. I feel like, like overrated slash underrated kickers, I don't even know where to start with that I think I think he's going uh, with what we were talking about yesterday is an underrated or a sooner that needs to be talked about more. That's rarely talked about. That was a big contributor. Maybe – that's where that question came from. And I've got one for you because we always talk about, when you talk about Sooner kickers, Uwe Von Schaumann immediately goes to the front of the list because of the kick at Ohio State in 1977. Von Foote, as he was called, uh, you know, leading the uh, the symphony, you know, the chance blocked that kick, and he's the conductor, uh, nails that. I think it was a 41-yard field goal to beat Woody Hayes and the Buckeyes in the final moments of that game. Uh, and Tim Lasher for as many big kicks as he made as well. One that's probably overlooked is Tony DiRienzo, who was on the 74-75 championship team. Brazilian kicker uh, that was really good during his time. But that, if, if I'm talking about a kicker whose name should be brought up more in Oklahoma history, uh, it would probably be Tony D, as he was called back in the day. Tony DiRienzo. But uh, Von Schaumann will always have – that's one of the. Uh, that's got to be one of the top five, and arguably, you know, the most famous play in Oklahoma football history. Talking about that kick, so really I, the most famous play. In it, it's, I mean, it's. In, I think it's in the in the conversation just because of the drama of the moment. They went to Ohio State, legendary Woody Hayes. Sooners had to recover a fumble, get the ball back, you know, score, and then they they set up the winning field goal. And I think just the drama of the moments. Because they had, uh, you know, you could hear the block that kick chance from the Buckeye faithful, and they got a great close-up shot of Von Shaman basically leading the chant, you know, and uh, then he nails the field goal. Um, Speaking it's of kickers. One of the, it's, it's certainly, I would say it's definitely in the top five. By the way, speaking of kickers, you see Gabe Burkich is once again unemployed. Yes, we talked about that yesterday. Ugh. Like I said, the curse of the burrito is very real, man. His foot hit that burrito, and it was never the same afterwards. Did you see the kick he missed on Saturday for the Packers? I did not see it that. Was a, I think it was a 30-yard kick, and I'm not joking. He missed that thing about 30 yards wide left. Just horribly, horribly shanked kick. Wow. So. He has now been released by twice as many teams as he has attempted field goals as a professional. And that lone field goal attempt did not end well. It's kind of like a uh, a golfer who gets the yips, and particularly in putting, like, you know, some golfers. Like, I remember Ian Baker Finch, he won a uh, Open Championship, completely lost it. Completely lost his swing and everything. But... Um, you know, it's just crazy because we were thinking, man, is this is this guy? There was a point in his career where we we're thinking, is this guy ever going to miss again? And then he started missing quite a bit. All right, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, I love this bold prediction. One listener up in the nine one eight says, "Bold prediction is OU runs a kickoff and a punt back for a touchdown on the season." Now, that the would last be nice. Time, the last time the Sooners had a kick return touchdown of any kind, kickoff or punt. You got to go all the way back to D.D. Westbrook in the Kansas game in 2016. That is the most recent return touchdown for Oklahoma as far as special teams is concerned. Now, they've found ways to score on special teams sporadically over the years. Austin Stogner's first career touchdown at Oklahoma was a blocked punt that he recovered in the end zone. But the return game 
has been conspicuously weak for Oklahoma over the course of the last half decade. And again, Westbrook's punt return house call against Kansas in 2016 is the last such touchdown. If you're talking specifically about kick return touchdowns, Joe Mixon took a kickoff to the house against Ohio State in that very same 2016 season. So that is the last time the Sooners did both in the same season. That is also the last time the Sooners did either one. We were talking about Antonio Perkins the other day, and Antonio Perkins returned three punts against UCLA in the same game and had a fourth one called back. Did he really have a fourth one called yes, back? Yes, so that is unbelievable. And I uh, forgot. I either didn't know that or forgot that's that. That's crazy, right? I think it was three, and uh, there was a fourth one called back. I'm almost positive it was three. I'm almost positive it was three with another one called back. Somebody I know he, t- I know he housed and, three. I didn't realize there was a fourth. Go ahead and Google it up. All right, uh, the mom, most famous play in Who You History, the new call clip, the game of the – what? Uh, some somebody voice texted and didn't proofread before they hit send. Oh, okay, I got you. I'm like, I I don't know what that text is supposed to say. Uh, bold prediction from one listener in the 405. OU has multiple players with five or more sacks. I don't think that's that bold. Yeah, I think Marcus Stripling and Ethan Downs certainly have five sacks apiece. I I'd say my bold prediction is that the Sooners actually have two guys with double-digit sacks. Wouldn't because surprise I think me. Strip and Downs both have that potential. Uh, Tony D, graduate, a graduate of Ardmore High School. Yes, he was a Brazilian, Tony DiRienzo, but yes, uh, finished high school in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, this is Brian, bold prediction, OU 11-1, uh, Big 12 title. Uh, national, I believe the final four has happened. You know the call clips from the punt return. Oh, the the uh, Johnny Rogers punt return. Johnny the Jet Rogers. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. That was. There were a few clips, but hey, the Sooners still had their chances. They couldn't quite get it done, and Nebraska won that day, thirty-five, thirty-one. I still, I marvel at that game because of the coverage. And you can find it on YouTube, OU Nebraska, 71 Game of the Century. First of all, the starting lineups, you know how they they do. And uh, my guess is Bill Fleming probably recorded this. Well, actually, I don't. I know he did not because I can remember after he introduced Chuck Fairbanks, the the shot was Chuck Fairbanks running over and jumping into his team. But they had their sideline reporter, Bill Fleming, and now the starters for Nebraska, like Jerry Taggy, quarterback, and he'd run in front of the camera be there for like a second then wing back johnny rogers and they would actually run to the camera shot clearly they had that spot marked but not only that but the tearaway jerseys back in the day where it looked like you know the skill players jeff kenny johnny rogers jack milden for oklahoma great print all those guys looked like they were wearing paper towels as jerseys because you'd grab a piece of that jersey and it would tear right off Okay. More uh, bold predictions go on it. the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, one listener with the 731 area code says, OU bold prediction, Guyton or Sexton will be a starter by season's end hmm. at okay. offensive tackle. Yeah. College football bold prediction, a 3-0 Tennessee will lose at home against a 1-2 Florida. You know who couldn't beat Florida back in the day was Peyton Manning, too. But uh, that's interesting. Another listener says Eric Gray, 1,000-yard season. That's certainly within the realm of possibility. Another says OU does a fumble ruski against Nebraska and Lincoln. That would be nice. 
The uh, the Sooners scored on the Fumble Ruski in the Orange Bowl against Miami late, right? Switzer against Jimmy Johnson. I believe it was Mark Hudson who scored. And uh, Nebraska made that famous, of course, also. Is it Dean Steincooler who scored on the Fumble Ruski, Dean I believe? Dean Steincooler, that is correct. One other listener from the 918 says, or rather asks, if Texas and USC meet in a bowl game, who do you want to win? Texas. That's how much hatred really? there is for Mule Shoe and really? USC. You'd yes. root for Texas? I will, man. I will wear burnt orange if I have to in that game. And wow. People are going to say, well, we recruit against Texas, all of that. But I told you, man, I'm very shallow and very bitter, and I don't like that man and his lies and his shadiness. Wow. So, yes. So, I would, you would don burnt orange and root for the University of Texas. I well, maybe I would don orange, but I, you know, I rooted for the Horns in that famous uh, Rose Bowl game against uh, you know, Vince Young against Leonard Bush, Lindell White, you know, Dwayne Jarrett, that great SC team. More bold predictions. Teddy gets so fired up watching Venable's defense, he runs onto the field and tackles some poor UTEP player in week one. That would be nice. I would love that. What was the wasn't it a famous play in Rose Bowl history where some cheerleader tackled a dude who was running for a touchdown way back when, like in the forties or something like that? I d I don't I know what you're talking about. I couldn't place it. Uh OU team bold prediction. Eric Gray leads the team in all purpose yards, but Major leads the team in rushing. Uh, another bold prediction, Billy Bowman runs back a combination of either punts or kickoffs three times or more. Wow. Interesting. Three times. I mean, look, Billy Bowman's got that type of ability. That's just a very tall ask, especially in today's game, because so many teams have become a lot more conservative with running kickoffs back, and so many uh, teams have become – or rather have altered their strategy when it comes to kicking the ball off. They do the pooch kicks that are designed to pin the opponents deep in their own territory rather than allow them to start at the twenty twenty uh, at the twenty five yard line. So if that if that were the case, man, Billy Bowman is probably an all American. Yeah. If he has yeah. three or more return touchdowns. No doubt. Here's one you'll like, Parker. It's about your guy, Javante Barnes. Javante Barnes will be OU's best running back this year. And bold college football statement. UCLA wins the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve, excuse wow. me. Wow. Whoa. How about that? That's out there. That that is a bold prediction. That is the boldest prediction I've seen thus far. Uh, <laughs> somebody said, I agree with Steely. Hook him <laughs> over Tebow. This is gener- generational pass it down to offspring type hate. You know, I've never liked USC. USC has had Oklahoma's number in so many of the games, and Oklahoma beat them in the 71 season when they, they ended up playing in that big game against Nebraska. We talked about the game of the century. but And there was one tie, I think one win, one tie for OU. It's, is I believe, is SC – I'd have to look at wins of PD, but USC's definitely at Oklahoma's number. The one thing I've always liked about SC is I like the uniforms. I think they're good uniforms. The I think Cardinal pretty and cool. Gold? Yeah, I like them. It's a good them. color scheme. But I'll other than that, you know, I, plus I have a, a, a relative who's an SC fan, and he's always, you know. Rubbing it in about oh, yeah. Mule Shoe? Yeah, well, not only not really Mule Shoe, 
But other games, uh, particularly 55-19, yes, absolutely. All right, we got a break right here. Thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. A lot more texts rolling in. Let's talk a little Texas football, two things. Uh, Speaking of the horns, man, Quinn, where's the mighty Quinn? It looks like it's Hudson Card. We'll be right back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune into the 1 o'clock hour. Good to have you with us here on a Tuesday. Man, the weather's going to be like 83 degrees tomorrow. We should have all 80s bumper music, like Flock of Seagulls, you know, all 80s tunes. Maybe I could get you a list. That's going to be a celebration. That is going to be a celebration. All right, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Love the show. Who replaces TD Roof? Jaron Kanick? Yeah, it's probably the guy that gets first crack. And again, I think your top four in the linebacker room right now are the four guys that have been there. Danny Stutzman, Deshaun White, David Aguebu, Shane Witter. But uh, this puts the onus on the freshmen now to inherit a little bit more responsibility than they otherwise uh, would have had this season. And Jaron Kanick being where he's at physically is probably atop that list. Another guy that I can see working his way onto the field and a guy that has generated a bit of buzz. I- I'm not going to act like he's generated a ton of buzz, but I've heard a couple nice things about him. Jake McCoy out of Edmund North, the walk-on at the linebacker position, guy that stands about 6'3", 230 pounds, so... No, he, he looks like a linebacker. He looks like he's uh, an FBS Power 5 type of linebacker, but has never done a whole heck of a lot at Oklahoma outside of special teams. Maybe this provides an avenue for him to work his way into the discussion amongst the linebacker rotation. So we shall see, I think, the kid with the highest physical ceiling among those linebackers is Jaron Kanick. I don't think that's a question. And I do believe he will see the field quite a bit. And... I I'd say that regardless of whether or not TD Roof was still in the picture. That's that's how good I think Jaron Kanick has the potential to be in year one. And uh, Brent Venables meeting with the media did confirm uh, about a half hour ago that TD Roof is out for the season with a uh, tourist bicep and he is done for the year. Uh, what is the over and under on uh, – oh, we're looking at bowl predictions too. What's the over and under that – Texas Bebo is in a full body cast by the end of the Alabama game. They might just want to tranquilize Bebo for that game. Bebo's already You're tranquilized, gonna, right? Well, I mean, very I mean, fully tranquilized. Yeah, like you completely like, like put put him to sleep for up, that game. You know, instead of horns up, hooves up. Put be- him to sleep for that game. Be like Bebo, we're just gonna wake you up when this one's over. So yeah, so Isaiah Nair, the uh, transfer wide receiver, uh, done for the year. Junior Angulao, the offensive lineman, arguably their best offensive lineman, done for the year. Ajay Hall suspended indefinitely, and you knew that he was an issue at Alabama. Guess what? He's been an issue at Texas. Hudson Card also apparently, according to early returns in this race at quarterback, has the lead over Quinn Ewers. What if – and somebody brought this up on the text line too as their bold prediction. What if this actually happened? Quinn Ewers becomes the new Tate Martell. Can't win the starting job anywhere he goes, despite all this hype. How many places did uh, Tate Martell end up at? I'm so trying to he remember. Was started it started out three? at Ohio State, then he went to Miami, 
And then by the end of it, he was at UNLV, and he couldn't even crack it there. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, we learned that uh, Miles Brennan uh, ended his career yesterday at uh, – decided he wasn't going to wasn't going to win the job at LSU and he decided that's it for me I'm done all right uh wow Joel Klatt just released his top 10 no OU but has USC at number 10 drinking that mule shoe kool-aid very bitter the mule shoe kool-aid very bitter tasting I mean you talk about bitter beer face that that is mule shoe (laughs) <laughs> Zane in Tulsa says, bold prediction, I will wear a Lincoln Sucks t-shirt to the Nebraska game and not only survive, but the Nebraska fans will pat me on the back. Nice. Well done, Zane. Some clever ambiguity there. Somebody else had previously mentioned on the text line, there's absolutely no way Oklahoma's going to lose in a city named Lincoln. <laughs> Quinn Ewers mullet will be in the transfer portal. Here's what will happen. Teddy and I talked about this yesterday. Here's what will happen at Texas. Hudson Card, because he comes from a wealthy family of Longhorn boosters, will start to open the season for Texas. Which happened last year, too. Correct. He will start until Sark has an element of plausible deniability and can pull Card in favor of Quinn Ewers without pissing off the fan base which is going to come no later than week two because texas is going to get it handed to them by alabama on september 10th so i expect that by the third quarter of that alabama game quinn ewers will be in the lineup for texas and he will remain in the lineup for the remainder of the season or until he just sucks so bad to the point where texas has to go with option number three and throw Malik Murphy into the fire. Well, and that's what happened last year, right? Texas went to Arkansas and got, you know, routed by the Razorbacks, and that's when Casey Thompson came aboard. And uh, Casey Thompson, again, I thought, had a, had a good, solid season. Five touchdowns in the uh, Cotton Bowl against the Sooners. Um, yeah, and now, of course, Oklahoma's going to see Casey Thompson and Lincoln this year in a Husker uniform, and they're going to see Adrian Martinez – in Norman in a K-State uniform. Somebody asked on the text line, what's General Booty's status? Injured? Nope. Nope. Booty's healthy. Saw him out there at practice today. Slinging the ball around. It's a competition between him and Davis Bevel for QB2 duty. I hear that Davis Bevel is huge, Davis Bevel, and I was just about to bring that up. He is enormous. Like He's listed at 6'6". If you didn't know any better and you saw him out there on the field next to all of his counterparts in the Oklahoma quarterback room, you'd think he was like 6'8". He's a he's a full head taller than everybody else. Enormous human being. Yeah, and do we have any early returns on the backup quarterback race? Is it uh, neck and neck? What are we thinking? The, uh, Bevel has the edge right now, from what I've been told. So I would expect that the depth chart week one – is going to be Gabriel 1, Bevel 2. Uh, bold prediction, Steely starts a Mule Shoe Sucks <laughs> chant at every home game this year. It's catchy. Oh, man. I No, I don't think I'll go that far, but anyway. Really? 
You wouldn't do it? No, <laughs> because, see, I'll do the pregame, and then I watch the game from home, so I won't be at the stadium. Because see, so, I don't do the postgame anymore, so I decided I'm old, man. I can't deal with traffic and stuff like that. I did my 25 years over there, you know, pregame and postgame, and actually almost 30. But so I, I'm old. I got to get home, watch the game. Week two, when USC is getting boat raced by Stanford, what's going to happen is Chris Plank is going to do the Mid First Bank scoreboard update midway through the contest mm-hmm. and is going to relay to everyone in the stadium that USC is getting boat raced by Stanford. Oh, that would be And so then at awesome. that point, the mule shoe sucks chant will break out. It needs to happen. I like it. I like that idea. Have I been canceled? My texts never get read anymore. Sad. There's so many coming in. What was the previous text, though? There was another previous text. All right. Bold prediction. Gabriel wins the Heisman, and Jeff Levy is a head coach the following year. Yeah, sorry, 405. And uh, who is the – he said the other uh, receiver at Baylor. I want to give him credit for that. That's a good recall, uh, the 405. It was – Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman. Yeah, she had – Denzel Mims as well. Oh, my gosh. And I remember those Baylor uh, speedsters were uh, were pretty, pretty good. Somebody asked, could Bevel be like Lane Johnson or is he a pure quarterback? (laughs) There is only one Lane Johnson. That's right. Folks, there is only one Lane Johnson. Davis Bevel does not have a future career as a Hall of Fame left tackle. That's just not happening. Yeah. Kendall asked the question, who is the tallest quarterback Oklahoma has had? How tall and who was it? Well, have to be. Would it be Bevel? No, it would be Tommy Grady. Really? Yeah, Tommy Grady was like 6'7", maybe? No, I think Tommy Grady was listed at 6'6". So if Bevel manages to drink a whole lot of milk and put another inch on, he might end up being the tallest quarterback that OU's ever had. But to the best of my knowledge, it's Tommy Grady. Garrett McGee was call- tall. I don't think he was that tall. Uh, Landry Jones is probably 6'3 or so, right? He's 6'4. Brent Rawls, before he fell out of the pickup truck, was, I don't know, maybe 6'2, 6'3. I think that knocked guess. a couple inches off his height when he might fell out have. of the pickup truck. Yeah. So... Backup quarterback, Kanek Wildcat, Jaron Kanek Wildcat formation. Interesting idea there. You know, I looked at that and like. Hey, listen, I am Blake all Bell for was that. 6'6", too. That's right. I am all for that. A Jaron Kanek Wildcat package? Yes and amen. Blake Bell, I thought Blake Bell was listed at 6'5". We'd have to go ahead and Google it up. If he is indeed 6'6". Then Somebody yeah, do the him research. And, him and Tommy Grady. Tommy Grady versus Blake Bell. Yeah. Somebody asked, so Parker is saying there's a healthy booty on the sideline. Yes. There will be a healthy booty <laughs> on the sideline. What do you think of the Jerry and Canick Wildcat formation? What do I think about yeah. it? Yeah. I, like I said, I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. Let's put that in there. Let's put that in there. Jay from Medill asks, will drinking a lot of milk help all of us gain an inch? Well, we can all find out together. <laughs> All right, let's take a break right here. Jay from Adil, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, by the way, thank you to Doug from Norman. Doug, we need to get back to Doug's text because he had the uh, the call on the dude who got tackled in the bowl game in the sidelines. Tommy Grady is 6'7", according to Kendall. So you may be right that Tommy Grady won Blake Bell 2. Davis Bevel's in the mix, though. So he's got to drink twice as much milk now. That's he's got to put on two inches. Better be going whole milk then. 
All right, we're going to take a break right here. Thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. And, man, we're trying to keep up with all the texts, but they are rolling, 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 rolling in. Stay with us. Coming right back here on The Ref. Great, great, great promotion happening right now out at Riverwind Casino. Everybody's fired up about the football season. Everybody would love to go to Oklahoma, Texas. If you're not going this year and you want to go, well, here's a way you can get there. Courtesy of our friends at Riverwind Casino. It's a great promotion for August called the Race of the Red River. Play with your Riverwind wild card. Now, if you're if you're playing games at Riverwind, you need to be playing with that wild card already because discounts, you know, all these uh, different drawings they have, they can call your name out. You need to have that wild card. Wild card members who play on electronic gaming machines, all the gaming machines right now, and there are about 2,800 of them at Riverwind. If you can't find your favorite, by the way, the one you feel you're most lucky on, you might find them in the Skybridge. You might find them in the River Lounge. You might find that machine in the Showplace Theater because they're doing some renovations right now at Riverwind. They've kind of moved some of the machines around. But anyway, go there and play with your wild card. Rack up as many points on your wild card as you can because on August 26th at 5 o'clock, the top three players who earn the most points are going to be winning trips to the Red River Showdown, game day tickets to the Cotton Bowl for the Sooners and the Horns, hotel stay, ground transportation, the total value of the prize package, nearly $3,000. Play with your wild card, play a bunch, rack up those points, and you could be one of the three winners in the race to the Red River promotion happening right now over at Riverwind Casino, another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. Okay, Parker, uh, what are we thinking? Back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We're letting, it's a text takeover today. Bold prediction. Texas goes 5-7 and seven and loses to Kansas. Well, there's some history to back that one up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I still remember the, uh, the near loss to Mark Mangino. You guys know what happened, right? BCS. That's right. Dollar signs. Mark Mangino, what that? What a gem. Oh, my gosh. I miss Mark Bring Mangino. him on as a consultant at Oklahoma. Mark Mangino. The Mark Mangino retirement tour can be his last gig before he rides off into the sunset for good. But we need we need another couple of years of him at Oklahoma. All right. Uh, so everybody is saying yes that uh, Tommy Grady did Trump. Blake Bell at six foot seven. Also, apparently, he's still playing professional football. I'm not sure what league he plays in, but I know like it's not the CFL. But there's this there's this professional football league. Uh, it's okay. It is arena football. It's arena football, and well, it doesn't look like he's still on an AFL roster, but he's like considered one of the greatest arena quarterbacks quarterbacks of all time. Kurt Warner and uh, Tommy Grady. Kurt Warner was what? He was an Iowa barnstormer, right? Yes. The Iowa barnstormers. CFL. Who's the greatest CFL player of all time? Warren Moon before he came to the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Don't get that song stuck in my head again, Steely. Houston Oilers number one. Um... Did you see that Jeremiah Hall was waived? I did not see that. Yeah, that's unfortunately that yeah. was kind of to be expected. You know, Jeremiah Hall is 
a lot more of a fullback than he is a tight end, and there's just there's just not much of a market for H backs in the NFL today. So he was an yeah, outstanding player at the University of Oklahoma, but it's really going to take a perfect fit for him to crack it at the NFL level. True. Yeah. Uh, Rip uh, Aaron Rapkowski got what like three years in Green Bay, I think it was. Oh, Something Rip like was that. there for a while. Yeah, he was there for a while, and now he's. Uh, Streaming on Twitch, he's he's one of the better uh, Call of Duty players out there. Really? Good guy, yeah. Interesting. Yep. Do you ever play Call of Duty with him? Is that how I, you know no, this? No, but it, I, like, host him on Twitch, and, you know, and uh, we've kind of propped each other up a little bit on, on Twitch. Good guy, but, yeah, he's, he's really skilled at Call of Duty. Duty! Chase in Orange County says, bold prediction, UTSA beats Texas soundly this year. I mean, I'd love to see it. I'm not counting on it. UTSA had a really good season last year, but even at the University of Texas, as bad as the culture is on the 40 acres, it's still two entirely different levels of athletes that you're able to recruit to UT versus UTSA. Two entirely different levels of athletes. I struggle to believe that one happens, but I... I bu- I can say with certainty that most of the college football world would love to see that go down. Oh, absolutely. Let's not act like uh, da, 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 we're the big bad wolf. I want to, Let's not act like just because Texas lost to Kansas that we didn't almost. We barely won that game. Caleb Williams saved the game. That team got off the bus, and they were not ready. You know why? Because Devious Muleshoe probably was on the phone with his agent the whole time. And they got, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hold on just a second, Mike. They, so Riley had the personal day the week before the Baylor game. That That's right. right? Yeah. That's, that's the day that we all remember when we think about Mule Shoes timeline. What a lot of people forget is that the team did not have any activities the Monday before the Kansas game. That was a day that they all had off as well. Muleshoe it was derelict in his duties, is what he was. And uh, I don't know, some of that salary should be coming back to the University of Oklahoma because that dude, I'm telling you, Shady, very, he's the new Slim Shady, Muleshoe. He should not even be allowed to wear a visor. That's Bob Stoops' look. Muleshoe, how dare he even wear a visor? Plus, it shows off his bald-ass head in the back, too. (laughs) I was about to say, he's got to have something to conceal those hair plugs. Can you see him like, is the hair club for men with size spurling still around? I mean, he's he's got to deal with, I don't know, man. I don't think would Muleshoe go in with the uh, with the bald look. You think eventually would he go there? He'll probably hold out as long as he can. Clark Stroud's probably looking for uh, hair care products or some kind of deal that's going to grow that hair. Here's back. the thing: I I feel bad for anybody that starts going bald and like myself doesn't have the capacity to grow a full beard mm-hmm. because at some point you just got to send it, you got to commit to it, you got to yeah. shave your head and grow yeah. the beard. Cause that's a good look. You like that? You, you do you, like that look? Yeah, but I mean, if you just shave your head 
and then you have no facial hair. You just kind of end up looking like a cue ball. You're a uh, a very handsome man if you can go complete cue ball and no facial hair. That is true. And there are those who can. Bruce Willis did it. Vin Diesel's done it. Who else has done it? Heck, Josh Pate pulls it off. Josh Pate and his biceps. Uh, anybody else? I don't know. George Foreman later in life. George Foreman, you talk about transition. Look at George Foreman who fought the first rope-a-dope fight and the George Foreman who won the title back in the day and started selling the grills. But, like, consider – Drake Dyken just walked in the studio. Mm-hmm. Drake Dyken shaves his head. I cannot imagine him without a beard. I've never seen that. Well, it's it gets pretty sad when you're really trying to hang on and you, like, have one little patch left and that's it. Mule Shoe is going to get to that point, and I wish him the very worst of luck getting that hair to grow back because he deserves bad luck. Nothing bad injury. Well, I want to say no bodily harm, but just general bad luck. A loss to Stanford, a loss to – they're playing Fresno State too, right? And uh, Rice, uh, then I think it's Stanford game two, and then Fresno, and then yes. some, somebody else. Oh, Notre Dame's the Notre other Dame's the other non-conference At the end of the year. Man, I hope Notre Dame just wipes the field with them. Please. That would be awesome, taking a personal day as a head football coach. You don't do that. You know? For me, it's less about taking the personal day and more about not even giving any inkling of a clue to anyone as to what the personal day was about. Because he met with the media the next day. We were all and scared, that was the, right? That was oh the my first gosh, question. What's going on? Yeah. That was the first question he got asked because there was a lot of buzz about him maybe yeah. interviewing for the LSU job. Yeah. So that was the first question he asked. And he was like, I just uh, had a personal matter. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, talking with Trace Armstrong. Big it's conference like, seriously? call. Seriously, you can't even give us the vaguest of definitions? You can't even give us a hint as to what your personal day was about? That was when we all should have figured it out. Can we get him a raise from the OU record books? Probably not. <laughs> Vacate the wins. Yeah, just like, you know where they put the picture in the media guide? There's just that silhouette like the egg on Twitter used to be or whatever. Just <laughs> That would be awesome. Replace just, him a, with a Twitter a, egg. A, a, a stick figure or something. That would be great. Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's take a break right here. We have one more award-winning, probably not, segment on the way. Right here on the ref, Tuesday afternoon. Tomorrow's going to be 83. I think it's all 80s bumper music today. We'll start with a flock of seagulls. I ran. I ran so far away. Right now, we're running to a break. Keep it here. Yes, sir. Welcome back. Final segment here on a Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon. Uh, We've got Locked In coming in. Here in just a few. And I see uh, our man Travis Davidson. I've never met Travis in person. Good dude. Really? You never have? I never met him in person. Not that I can remember, but I'm old. Sometimes I don't remember things. Who are you, by the way? Have you never met him in person, or has he never met you in person? I don't remember. I think you might be the elusive one here. I'm very elusive. Uh, I, you know. By the way. I'm more, uh, what was it? (laughs) I think it was Barry Trammell who said, told somebody a while back that Steely's like the most reclusive person in Oklahoma media. It might be true. Very reclusive. Howard Hughes reclusive. By the way, going back to our conversation about shaved heads last segment, I mm-hmm. neglected to mention the most iconic shaved head in the state of Oklahoma, that of our own Teddy Lehman. 
Teddy, yes, that is a man that pulls off. The Teddy shave pulls head. it off, man. He does absolutely. He does. You know, you've got to own it too. You have got to own it, and but, it helps a lot when you're a former linebacker. Well, yeah, and, and you're you still just in have good a very shape imposing figure. Absolutely. So yeah, he's a, that's a man who pulls it off very impressively. Uh, one listener on the text line said, "Mule Shoe's personal day was he and Clark's re- reenactment of Ferris Bueller's Day Off." <laughs> And apparently one listener checked the receipts and said Mule Shoe's reply in that press conference was, it was a whole lot more boring than what you're thinking. <sighs> what could that possibly mean? Well, he was sitting around a, a table somewhere or maybe in, on a conference call with he was just talking Grace to, Lawrence and who else? He was just at a coffee shop with his agent. He wasn't talking to USC. He was maintaining the degree of separation. He was giving Trace Armstrong all the instructions, laying out his future move to you. What a weasel. I mean, that's probably the... Uh, he's probably the big... Is he the biggest weasel in OU history? Who, who else is a Sooner weasel? There aren't that many, Steele. Like, who- like, would you say Red Bomar was a weasel? He was just, you know... Um, Reb Bomar was a stupid 18-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of those. If those are weasels, then we got to throw Josh Jarbo into that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, CT, Charles Thompson for a moment was a Sooner weasel. I mean, that didn't do the program any favors. Now he's turned everything around and has done a lot of good stuff, you know, since that. But, yeah, when you're on the cover of SI in an orange jumpsuit, that's not good. Among legitimate Sooner Weasels. I'm trying to think. Sooner Weasels, Sooner Weasels. Help us out with Sooner Weasels. <laughs> Somebody said on the text line, so are we saying Muleshoe's head looks like an avocado? <laughs> the dude who fired Switzer. That would be David Swank. Back in the day. So is David Swank a weasel? He, oh, that, yeah. That precedes clearly. me, Steely. Yeah, clearly he is. Sooner Weasel, no doubt. The Boz was a weasel for a minute, says one listener. Well, if you look at, you know, when he wore the NCAA shirt and, you know, that wasn't a good look and he got suspended from the ball game for roids. Boz did some uh, weasel. He was a momentary weasel, but for the most part, he was a Sooner legend. I think there was more than a moment where folks would have considered Joe Mixon a weasel. Yeah. He Howard has proven Sh- to be anything but. Howard Schnellenberger, Sooner Weasel. Yes. <laughs> no doubt. Trey Matoir. Yes. That is a Sooner Weasel. Hmm. That is a Sooner Weasel. <laughs> Sooner Weasel. <laughs> the ref at Oregon. Marcus Dupree? Question mark. Marcus Weasel, that the Weasel in the Marcus Dupree situation was the Ken Fairley dude, whatever the guy's name was. It Ken Farley or Fairley, the guy that was walking around trying to make money off the guy the whole time. That was like his advisor. That was the Weasel. Uh, Marcus is still a very much a Sooner, and uh, you know is comes on the radio every now and then. Goes to Oklahoma events, so. He's still a part of the Sooner family. But, man, he could have been, like, he might have had it. If he'd have hung out for four years, there might be another statue over there. Trey Matoir is the best answer we've gotten. That is a legitimate Sooner weasel. Because what he was doing. Well, what about uh, yeah, the uh, 
the guys who got arrested. I, okay. Trajan Bridges and Mikey Henderson and who who was the? Uh, it was Seth McGowan. Was the Seth other one. McGowan? Yeah. I mean, it, it's stupid. That's borderline more stupid than it is weasel behavior. What Trey Matoir was doing is unquestionably weasel behavior. Callum Sutherland, weasel. Michael <laughs> Honeycutt. Is he still in jail? I don't I, know. Uh, that's Weasley, yes. Gordon Reese is a Sooner Weasel and another vote for Howard Schoenberg. All right, you can call me a weasel if you want. Good meeting, all right. We got to get out of here. Have a great day.